Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Morning, everybody. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna let everyone know ahead of time. Today is gonna be a little messy for me. Um, for those of you that uh, did not know, Gina, who we prayed for last week, died yesterday morning. Um, if you did not know her, your job is to ask somebody who did to tell you a s- story about her. Um, well, you don't have a job. You don't have to do it. But I would really encourage you to do that. Um, just remembering as we were setting up this morning how um, when I was coming out of a really painful church ex- Experience, and I was uh, I was reaching out to the pastor at the time. His name was Brandon, and I had no um, plans to ask to do teaching to be a teaching pastor. I had come from being a college pastor, and um, reached out to him, and I said, "Hey, do you guys need a janitor? Do you need somebody to clean toilets? Because I need a job, and I'm and I need to go somewhere." And it was through spending time with people, not just like Gina, but Gina in the ways that she embodied um, toughness, but also tenderness. And if you know her, you know that she can, she was somehow equally both in this impossibly like beautiful way. And um, so I know that there are, depending on how long you walked with her, there's a strong chance. I mean, if you were even a part of our community um, from 2022, then you walked with us through a season of a close call, praying for her and visiting her. But that was something that was routine for her. And she just came out just in any moment. Like I, I just heard a s- story today that I didn't know that just a couple weeks ago, she took somebody else grocery shopping to buy them groceries. That's just how she was and how she embodied love so well. I want to read a prayer. Um, if you don't have this, I would encourage it. Um, my wife, Anessa, just handed it to me yesterday and said, I think that this would be good for you and if anyone um, uh, might find this helpful today. They're both on their way to, uh, Vanessa and Alexia are on their way to Greece right now, so <laughs> that's why they're not in the room. But they, um, she handed me this, and I read this prayer, and I want to start off today by reading it for all of us. It's, it's called, For This Grief-Stricken Day. It says, God, we are heartbroken in the face of so much evil and so much grief. Comfort us in our sorrow. Blessed are we who allow ourselves to feel it, the impossibility of what was possible just a second ago, the light decision, the casual stroll, the easy exchange and and ordinary duty, a decent choice or a banal one, the sweep of hours on a day 
that was like any other until it wasn't. This is the place where nothing makes sense. This is the place where tears flow in earnest now. Blessed are we who allow our hearts to break, for it will take some time for brittle unreality to release us from its grip, for the long and slow dissolve until we fully see what should have never, what never should have been. Blessed are we who ask you, God, that grief find its way to move among us and be felt together, that comfort may flow in the bonds of affection unbroken by this fresh tragedy. Though grief and tragedy and pain try to convince us otherwise, remind us that we are not alone. God, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Spirit, have mercy. Amen. It's from the book "The Lives We," uh, the lives we actually have. And so, if you want to have a prayer book that does not um, try to shy away from the uglier things that we need prayers for, also, I'd encourage that. Um, we've been talking about wandering, wondering. One of the things that was read to weeks ago was this this prayer over Israel as they were coming into the promised land, that when they got there and they would reap the benefits of people that had sowed before them into houses they did not build. Something about me overflows with the reality that we are being blessed by Gina's faithfulness today in a house she helped build. I just found out today that the deed to this property was signed on her kitchen table. It's a place that she built, and we are blessed by it. So we get to walk into the beauty of that and also make full space for the pain and um, at the end of my talk today, we'll kind of get back into that, and it feels so awkward for me, honestly, is that as I was preparing this, to talk about anything else feels really, really empty. And I had a really tough time preparing for this. And so if I seem like I'm a little extra all over the place today, I'm going to ask for a little extra measure of grace. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Exodus chapter 1? I'm going to open us in prayer first. Lord, would you help us to be the kinds of people that never feel like in order to open your word or to go to prayer or to be in community or to talk about you, that we somehow have to leave real life behind. Help us to invite all of the things that we do hold or all of the um, ways that maybe some of us in this room feel like we're um, not a part of a community that's grieving if we didn't know her well, but to just hear where you would take us today and what might be coming up in our heart. What other 
What other things that we might be able to connect over, Lord, would you show us how to be your people that we would face the realities that are in our community right now in our own lives right now and our families right now. Help us to be slow enough to hear where you would take us. Help us to be quiet. Help us to recognize the anxious pace of our own mind when we sit in quiet for just a moment. What is it that rushes up? How could we offer that to you and say, Lord, transform me. Forgive me for the things that I have committed to above being faithful to you. Would your spirit move in this place? Even if that's just into a place where we feel fully permitted to grieve in a messy way, Lord. This may be the only space that we have to do that. So, Lord, help us to count it as holy ground, a sacred space to attend to what our hearts are telling us to attend to. Amen. So today, I still do want to touch on the couple of points that I um, had prepared um, and so I'm going to get to those. <laughs> As I was dropping Anessa and Lexi off at the airport today, this morning, what was coming up for me was how hard it was um, for the two of them to enter into this moment because they, they, they think deeply about a lot of things. And I know that as you're traveling, if you overthink, Sometimes you can be paralyzed by all of the all of the things, and and so I was just trying to tell her like, go have fun. You don't need to be like just make it about that. But our th our therapist would call the things that we say we are bad at. He he reframes it as unpracticed. He says you're unpracticed in that. And so I think today we are going to be talking about a couple of things that we can learn from Israel's wanderings that we as a human species are unpracticed at, and especially in a culture that is so quick to move us out of these places, how can we allow ourselves some grace to practice, to practice these things? And these two things that I wanted to talk about are gratitude and imagination. And it felt so, it felt strange to me because the word gratitude has been coming up for me a lot. The word gratitude of as things feel like they are changing, losing, and in so much pain, if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, how are you? And I know that they have time to actually hear the real answer. I tend to go towards all of the complaints. I have a tendency to say like, well, things are tough, but I'm pushing on and kids are crazy in school. And it's like, even if it's not formed as a life is horrible, I tend to build up a case that everything is so tough and everything is so hard. And those things might be actually true, but I believe that as Christian people, and as we'll, we will read today, sometimes we tend towards that because we have forgotten some beautiful things that we need to remember and we need to recall and we need to talk about, we need to incorporate 
into the how do we recall where we currently are and imagination. So I want to read a couple of passages. So what I will read, and we will do this in order three times in a row, we will read what happened as a result of people for getting what had come prior. Then we will go backwards in the text and we will read the exact thing that they've got. And then we'll kind of talk about how do we sort of live into that now. This is Exodus chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. It says, now there was a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, behold, the peoples of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. Now, um, there is some debate in what is called the Talmud, which is a um, it's sort of a collection of rabbis who have sort of talked about what could these texts have meant. And so in the Talmud, there's an argument that says that this could have been an actual a new king, or some actually think that it's the same king issuing new d- decrees, and that you could actually read this text in a way that said, who did not know Joseph, or who, con- who actually was acting as if he had not known him. So there's actually an argument that says that it was either a, a new king or the same king, but that same king was just behaving in ways as if the story of who Joseph was was not important. So what did he forget? So let's go to the next text. So if you rewind, rewind the tape just a couple of pages, you will come to this story of Joseph and how he had a strategy to save his people from famine and said, Joseph said to the people of Egypt, Behold, I have this day brought, bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is a seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And at, at the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four fifths shall be your own as a seed for the field and as food for yourselves and your households and as food for your little ones. And they said, You have saved our lives. May it please the Lord. We will be servants to Pharaoh. This new king, or this same king that was acting in other ways, had forgotten how, how the Lord, through his people, was continuing to bless, was continuing to flow through his people to accomplish his tasks that would actually bless the people that his, whoever was around his people also were blessed. And so this new king had forgotten of this and we when we forget that the Lord blesses others through us, not just the people that we choose to bless, but that somehow when He works through our lives, even the people who are just close to us should be blessed. That our ability to bless others should be overflowing and indiscriminate. And that's beautiful. In this new king had forgotten, and when we forget, we start to think as, as though there's not enough. 
when we forget that God has enough for his people and everybody that surrounds his people and that his whole plan is to bless the world through us, when we forget that, we start to think that there's not enough. And when we think there's not enough, we start to deal shrewdly with each other. We start to oppress others. Because when we think there isn't enough, we start to get in this fearful, scarcity mindset that says, I have to protect. I have to keep everything in. And as his people, we are meant to be open-handed that he's meant to bless through us. So let's go to the next slide because now we move into the Exodus narrative. It says, in the desert, and we read this passage a couple weeks ago when I talked about manna. It says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to to starve this entire assembly to death. I mean, I've been hangry, but I haven't been, let's cast me into like bondage and slavery hangry, right? But um, let's go back to what it is that people are got. Because honestly, it doesn't take us that long to forget. Some of us think that it takes generations to forget the beautiful things, right? Some of us think that it'll take forever. And that was my great-great-grandparents that thought that way. Sometimes by the end of the a day, the commitments to love that I have hopefully tried to make within myself, depending on the kind of afternoon that I've had, are gone by that evening, right? Like, we forget that quickly. What had they forgotten? This is from Exodus chapter 2. It says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. They had forgotten that they had cried out, saying, Lord, rescue us. And it reminds me that all of us, I would argue, and that, or I could just say me for sure that when things get slim when life feels like it's in a thin place and there's not enough or I'm anxious that I forget that in many places I'm walking in an answered prayer that I prayed a while ago and I forget about that I forget about the answered prayers that I'm walking in And my temptation, and I think our temptation also, is that when things get tough, we don't fully know how to look at that honestly and look at the fact that we are in answered prayers too. Not either or, both and. We have a really hard time because we are so immersed in a culture that tells us to like rush through all of the hard things that we work for the weekend, right? Get through all the hard stuff so that you can just purely indulge in all the easy and the delight and the pleasure. But how many of us are very aware, painfully, acutely aware that that's not how life ever is. Life does not ever wait. The minute the weekend comes, 
a responsibility happens or a loss happens. All all of a sudden, you have to navigate joy and peace side by side all the time. I wish so much and I try so hard to have that not be so. I spent years of my life trying to split it apart, trying to say I have a box for grief and a box for joy and I want my box for joy to expand so much that the box for grief falls off the table and I never have to look at it and it never exists. But that's not how any of us ever are. And I think what happens here is that when we get hungry, when, we, when things feel slim, when things feel tough, sometimes we would rather rush back to the bondage. What has our impatience, our hunger, our desires caused us to forget? Do any of you have that Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade a moment where he was just called to step out. He didn't see the path, but the path was there. And it's not till the camera pans over that you see that the path was there. His eyes and the angle of his eyes couldn't see it, but he had to trust to step out. Sometimes I really feel like most of my life is saying, I don't even know what will catch me. I don't even know if there is a net there. I just know that I have to step. I just know that I have to lift my foot and put my weight forward. And that's all that I know. But I will say that I have experienced in my life being caught, being held when I could not even see how. And I think that we are called as God's people that if we forget that he, re- that he heard us, it says that the cries and the groans from the enslaved, went up to the ears of God and he heard and he knew. And so when we cry out and we say, Lord, show up to us, show up here in our pain and in our grief and in our confusion, maybe it's time to recall and recount the ways that you've been caught before. And so I think now, if we fast forward all of that, we say, as God's people right now, in a very potent time where acutely in our community, we are experiencing loss and change and grief, losses over and over again. But also, if you expand it out and you look at the this, this state of where we are as a, as a human species in our country, about to enter another e- elections cycle. My prayer is that whatever we learn, whatever we have learned, whatever God has called us to, whatever ways that we are meant to put on our discipleship or Christian behavior or how we are meant to embody a cross-shaped form life, to look and live like Christ, that we would remember those things Because I think that right now, imagine there is a book being written about us as God's people. What is is it that we are forgetting now? What is it that that we are meant to embody now that if we just turn back to the text, it would be so obvious? If, if, If Egypt had just looked back four chapters, they would have said, oh yeah, 
we're out here because God rescued us from slavery. That wasn't better. We are being released. If the king would have looked back two chapters, he would have said, oh yeah, I'm here because God worked through Joseph so I didn't starve. There's so many things where if we just look back a couple chapters and go, Lord, what have you been up to? And how does that move us both into gratitude in the midst of things being really painful? Not to ignore what's true, but to say this might also be true at the same time. And what could that cause us to imagine going forward? And the text that I think probably most easily embodies that for me is Matthew chapter 5. And this is not something that should be new to any of you because I tell everybody, just go read Matthew chapter 5 and 6 over and over again, and you'll figure it out. (laughs) It says, now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, blessed are poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are you who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I wonder if we turn the chapter back just a couple chapters of what it is we are meant to learn and what we are meant to embody when we feel hungry, when we feel like there's lack, when we feel so tempted to run back to bondage. Maybe if we just turn the chapter back a couple and we go, oh, this is what we're meant to get right now. And I'm not saying that's all, all it is. Maybe there's some other thing that for you, if we pause and say, Lord, what is it that you're calling me to remember is true about you? What is it that I can be grateful for right now? And so as I've felt called to both gratitude and imagination, I realized for myself what that required of me is to be open-handed about the things that I don't know. So I have a quote um, that says, imagination dies when all we know is all there is. Imagination dies when all we know is all there is. And all we know being all there is feels so much more present when we're hungry. Feels so much more present when things, when, when we're in between places. And you'll hear me talk over the, over the course of our LO August about this term, liminal. Has anyone here heard that term, liminal? A f- few people. Liminal is a term that once I had heard it and had it explained to me, made so much sense about how I feel about so much of life. That in life, the minute that we feel like we've arrived at any one place, 
it feels like we're on the way to some other new place. That the airplane doesn't even have time to taxi. It touches, like the wheels touch, and all of a sudden I'm off to some other new place. I always feel like I'm in between two places, wishing that I could, like, stop for a bit. And I felt like life has felt so much like that liminal, in-between place. And I feel like we can learn so much about how Israel was meant, what they were meant to learn, how they were meant to embody and hold on to gratitude while things felt really thin, to know that they couldn't have even imagined the ways in which he called Moses and Aaron to bring them out of slavery. You could have you could have quizzed the Israelite people for a year and said, imagine all the ways you could think of that God would come rescue you. And they would not have thought of what we have in, in the text. We can't imagine it. It actually, I think God takes delight in doing things, rescuing us, helping us in these impossible ways. I once heard a quote that says, the only prayer God never answers is encore. He will never do it that way again. He will find a new way. So if a lack of gratitude is a bondage to the present, then a lack of imagination is bondage of the past. And our repeated sin is when we give into our hunger for the familiar and the comforts of control. A repeated sin is when we give into the hunger for the familiar and the comforts of control. That is why when we see the temptation that Christ had were the temptations of hunger and control, and he was able to be loose about that. He was able to know that God would show up. I think that that's beautiful. So what answered prayer are you living in? I don't, I'm not asking that um, um, without expecting you to actually think about it. I think truthfully, ask, ask, ask yourself, what answered prayer are you living in? And how often do you talk about that with others? That I am living in an answered prayer right right now, and I can be grateful for that. In what ways has God shown himself to be faithful to you in your communities? What is true about your life now that you couldn't have imagined 10 years ago, two chapters ago? And um, as I was trying to think about um, this today, this idea of imagination. Um, I wanted to play a, a video of a poet friend of mine because sometimes I think that when we try and articulate things like gratitude, imagination, and after this video's over, I'm gonna be talking a very short bit about grief. Um, the more that we articulate it in our heads and we try to have the perfect language for it, it feels really inappropriate, and sometimes the best thing for that is a poem or a song or a painting or things that actually touch us in 
ways that say, like, we don't have the perfect words for it, but that's not the point of it. The point of what we are talking about today is to free up our need to do it perfectly. Free up your need to do gratitude, imagination, or grief perfectly. And so I'm going to show this video, and I hope it's meaningful for you, and then I'm going to talk about one more thing before we close. Um, all right, I, I think we're having a problem with a video. That's okay. We are not going to show the video. I'll post it to our Facebook. You can find it there. Um, and then, okay, so now I want to move on to the next piece, which is Deuteronomy 34. So you go to the slide with Deuteronomy I will just read this. It says, Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of uh, Pisgah, across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Adan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea. And again, in the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zohar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab and in the valley opposite, but to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. And the thing that I can't get past is that Israel, who had wandered for 40 years, talking about this promise over and over and over again, circling over and over and over again, getting it wrong, adding up Allah and temple and all of these, uh, uh, tabernacle and all of these things, and they get to the point where they can see it with their eyes. Moses dies and it says that they stayed there and they until the time of weeping and mourning was over mourning will take as long as it will take that's it there's no rules there is a minimum on grief not a maximum the minimum was a week And even at the time, people were so bad at it that there were people who were pros that would come in and be paid to grieve. It's because we are not great at it. 
we've tried to rush through it from the start. We've tried to, to encourage people. If you read the story of Job, you see that from early on, we don't know how to hold each other's grief well, and so we try to talk each other out of it. That's something that's in all of us. There's no minimum. It says that <laughs> until the time of weeping and mourning was over, and what was beautiful to me was to think that Israel finally got it. Before they entered in and they see the promised land, could you imagine how being on the cusp, you would, there would be a temptation to be over it, Right? Rush in. It's right there. Let's grieve this thing as quickly as we have to to get on to this next thing. But for me, it's really encouraging that Israel finally got it and said, the promise can wait. We have somebody that we love that let us die. And so for some of us who are grieving, Gina, Weeping and mourning will take as long as it will take for you. And I really do think that some of us have not artic- articulated this way, but many of us have lost things over the last three years that we haven't grieved. We have lost, you have lost, I have lost people. We've lost ways of living casually that seem gone, can we articulate that as a death? And can we say that we have to make room to grieve it until the time of weeping and mourning is over before we rush into this next thing? It'll take as long as it takes, and it's okay. We don't need to touch and go. We can pause. I love that Israel said that the promise wait. We're going to do this as long as it takes. We are not surrounded by a place that makes room for us to stop and breathe and feel because the minute that we feel one thing potently, ten other things have happened. And it feels like we can't stay caught up on the amount of ways that all of us can be overwhelmed. And I don't want to get caught in it, but honestly, if we don't find ways to integrate it and to actually hold it and to look at it, we will never actually find a way to live with it and we'll spend forever trying to outrun it and we can't. So I encourage us that as God's people, as we are entering into a time where we are slowing things down in our community, we're about to enter into what I imagine, if history has shown me anything, is going to be a contentious time in our country. How are we going to be God's people of gratitude, imagination, but also grief? Make room to do all of, all of those things. Because we have to learn, and we have to be able to embody Matthew 5 when we feel hungry, when we feel like we want to get back to what's familiar and easy, run past it, get over it. 
would you join me in prayer? And then whoever's serving communion, would you come forward afterwards? And then we'll close in a worship. Lord, I thank you that as a community and in my own life, we are walking in answered prayer. This building, being able to be inside with each other is, is an answered prayer from two years ago. Help me not to forget how beautiful it was to be back inside in person with each other when for such, it seemed like such a long time, we couldn't, where we can hug and hold each other, where we don't have to be socially distanced from each other. Lord, just a beautiful answered prayer that we get to walk in in that. Lord, help me to be a person of imagination. Help us to be people of imagination that could say, even though you've answered it one way before, we trust that, that you are a good God who will continue to be creative and gracious and answer prayers. And for the people in this room who are walking through grief, help us to be freed up to having a time aligned for it. Say, Lord, it will take as long as it takes. And for the people in this room that are just meant to come alongside and support those. Lord, help us to know how to do that. Help us to say less, not more. Help us to be patient. Help us to know how to how to actually stand with these things which are painful so that we don't move to places of anxiety <laughs> for ourselves or put out on others, Lord. Speak to us. Help us to be your people, people of peace. God, we need your help to know how to do this well. Help us to be people of, help, help us to be faithful to what you are calling us to. We thank you for this time and for your word. Amen. So as we do each week, we take communion. We have the bitter herbs. Um, that's if that's new to you, we just say the uh, bitterness of sin and death to recall what it is, the the taste and the beauty of the bread and the wine. Um, you don't have to take any of it if you don't want, or if you want to come up and have just the bread and the wine, you are free to as well come up at your own pace. We will close in worship and then we'll also have some time up here for prayer and so if you need prayer you can come up at any point